America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of three best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, 101 Proven Ways to Increase Efficiency and Make More Money in Lawn Care. Now available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. What's up? Welcome to today's special program. I've been wanting to do this episode for a while and I felt it is the appropriate time. And so I'm going to share my story on today's program and what I've learned in 12 years as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner. A few weeks back, actually it's probably a month or so ago, I was on the phone with Brian Fullerton and he suggested to me, he's like, hey man, why don't you do a podcast and actually share your whole story? Because Brian, you know, mentioned to me that he's familiar with parts of my story, but he's like, aren't you from like Ohio? How'd you get from Ohio to Georgia? And he's like, you should just share your story. Cause he even had questions of, you know, my origin and, and how I got started in, in business and all this stuff. So I'm going to share my story today and I'm going to share three practical takeaways that I've learned the hard way over the last 12 years. And I hope it will inspire you on your journey in life, in business, and it will also hopefully help you avoid the mistakes that I made in growing my business. So that's the uh, fun topic for today. I'm really excited uh, to share with you guys things I've never shared before uh, publicly. So thank you to today's episode sponsor for making this podcast possible. That's our friends at Jobber. Jobber is a CRM, and it's the one that I've been using for years to send out my quotes, send out my invoices, have my business organized as well as all the work history of, you know, work I've done in the past. If I ever need to uh, go back and pull something up with a client or get information, everything's in one place. It helps me to keep my schedule organized, my client information organized. And my favorite feature of Jobber is getting paid faster. Back in the day, I was collecting cash and checks, but nowadays I just send an invoice through Jobber and my customers can pay me online. And for reoccurring work, I can even get my customers' cards on file and just charge them accordingly. So it uh, creates a lot more efficiency in my business and it also helps speed up the cash flow. So I'm not stressed about robbing Peter to pay Paul as the saying goes. All right, well, I'm really excited to share this story. So I'm going to start back uh, and be a quick abbreviated um, context, if you will, from uh, when I was born to when I started my business. And that can be a whole nother episode for another day because I got crazy stories from my humble beginnings in Ohio. But I did. I was born and raised in Canton, Ohio. That's where Sean Spencer from Spencer Lawn Care is from. Of course, the basketball player, LeBron James, he's my age. We grew up together. He was in Akron, Ohio, but Canton and Akron basically touch each other. And, you know, we go at the same malls, shop at the same malls. He was uh, hollering at the same girl I was trying to holler at in high school. And uh, 
Ironically, LeBron got the girl over me. But anyway, that's a whole other story for that. True, true story. Whole other story for another day. Um, I worked at the mall and uh, this girl, I think it was called Limit, Limited, Limited 2 or whatever. She worked there. So, and I worked at the kiosk in the mall. So anyway, um, Le- once LeBron kind of, well, all right, let's get, thanks Mr. Producer. True, true story. And that's the story for another day. But I digress. So grew up in Ohio. And if you guys aren't from Ohio or, or the Midwest or up North, you might not understand how cold it is up there. But I remember as a little kid, I'd stand out at the bus stop and it was so freezing cold in, in December, January, February. And, and you still have to stand out there, you know, wait for that yellow school bus. And so I would just mentally be so upset. And I'd say, you know what, if I can just get on the bus, then I'll, I'll warm up a little bit. And then a lot of times it would take me to like the third period. Cause I'd still be cold in the first period of school in the second period. And then usually by like nine 30, 10 AM, I forgot about it. And I, I thawed out or I warmed up if you will. And it, it was so cold. And I, I, I kind of determined in my heart as a kid that, you know what, once I'm old enough, I'm going to move down South because my uh, cousins lived in uh, Clemson, South Carolina, Anderson, South Carolina area. And in the summers, we'd go down and hang out with them at their lake at Lake Hartwell, their lake house at Lake, lake Hartwell. And man, I was like, this is so much fun down there and it's warm. So I was like, I want peace up out of Ohio once I'm old enough. So <laughs> I kind of made that decision really, really early in life just because I didn't like cold weather and I loved coming down South. So anyway, graduate high school, go off to college. My parents were so generous. I really am grateful. They paid for two years at Ohio university. It was 20 grand a year. And they graciously, generously, and they told me ahead of time, they said, Hey, we saved up money for you. Um, with your school choice here at OU, Ohio university will pay the first two years. And, and they did, they paid my freshman year, sophomore year out of pocket, you know, everything was current. But then my junior year is when I made one of the dumbest decisions of my life. And I ended up taking out student loans to, to complete my junior and senior year. And it took me a little bit beyond my senior year to graduate because I didn't have enough credits. And I think I dropped out of a couple classes. So anyway, I'm not a doctor, but it did take me longer than four years. And so that was stupid um, financial mistake because I borrowed over $40,000 at like a 6.8% interest rate. And I didn't understand compound interest. And I would have sure loved investing money back then at, at, you know, growing in the market at eight to 12% or whatever over the years, compound interest. No, no, no. I was working against it, paying the interest and kicking the can down the road. When I got out of college, um, you could put the student loan on deferment, just stupidity. I just didn't understand how money works. And so I really regret borrowing that money. Uh, to go to school. I did get a degree that I actually use in communication, um, ironically, but I didn't need to spend that kind of money that I didn't have to to go to school. So as a status symbol or whatever, that I went to Ohio University, not the Ohio State guys. I went to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, home of Joan Burrow, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. So anyway, graduate. And just as I determined years prior, I'm busting out of the Buckeye state. I love Ohio. I just don't like those cold, frigid winters. And you guys, we have a huge audience that lives up there in Ohio and, and Michigan and all of that. So you know what I'm talking about. It's butt chilly cold. So I come down to Georgia and uh, spend a f- couple years down here just trying to figure out life. And I had a friend who was very talented in music and 
he got a phone call one day from Randy Jackson, and that name might ring a bell for some of y'all. He used to be on American Idol, and he would recognize musical talent and things of that nature. Well, the Randy Jackson was hanging out with one of his music friends, and one of his music friends was playing this uh, tape or CD or whatever it was. So back in 2011. And so Randy Jackson heard my friend singing and said, who in the world is that? And the guy tells him it's so-and-so and and Randy Jackson's like, well, let's get him on the phone. And so he calls my friend, Randy Jackson does. And at the time, Randy Jackson was very, very, very famous um, because he was on American Idol show at the time. And just everybody in the music world knew Randy Jackson. So he calls my buddy and he says, hello, Christian, my friend's name. And and, uh, he's like, Randy Jackson. And my friend didn't recognize the number. And so he said, yeah, okay, Randy Jackson. And he hung up on him because he thought it was a prank. And uh, so Randy Jackson calls him back and he's like, hey, we got must got disconnected there. This is Randy Jackson, you know, American Idol, blah, 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 blah. And my friend's sitting there and he says, he's thinking to himself, he's like, you know what? It does kind of sound like him. So he's like, whatever friend's pranking him, he's like, I'm just going to roll with it. He's like, okay, Randy Jackson, what do you want? And uh, he's like, I just heard your CD. Uh, sounded great. And, uh, I'm, you know, I look at talent all day long and I don't know if I've ever, you know, he's just hyping him up that, you know, you got something special kid. Um, I'd like to meet you. And my friend's like, all right, well, I'm in Atlanta. Come meet me. And he's like, okay, I will. And, uh, he's like, what are you doing Tuesday night or whatever? And, uh, he said, meet me at this steakhouse in Buckhead, which is, uh, Buckhead's a, it's a rich part of Atlanta. And, uh, and then he hangs up. And so my friend's sitting there and he's thinking, his wife said, who is that? And my friend tells his wife, um, Ashley's like, it's uh, Randy Jackson. And she said, yeah, right. And he's like, I think it was him. And she's like, there's no way. He's like, yeah, there's no way. But she's like, well, what did he say? And he, he said, meet me at this steakhouse on, on Tuesday. I forget what day of the week it was. I think it was a Tuesday, but meet me at this steakhouse down in Buckhead. And she's like, you're kidding me. And he's like, I think it was him. And so anyway, he's got like 90 bucks in his bank account, right? He, he's like, I can't afford to eat there. He's like, I, if we go, I hope he pays for it. And so he still doesn't know if it's a prank. So she's like, well, you better go. What if it wasn't a prank? And uh, so he drives down the Buckhead and uh, we lived in Lawrenceville. So it's, so it's like, it's a little bit of a drive, you know, half hour or so. He goes down there and uh, he still doesn't know if it was a prank or not. He's just, he's taking a risk. So he parks and he's waiting outside the restaurant. And here comes this black SUV and, uh, uh, then bodyguards get out. He's like, who in the world's, you know, well, there's a lot of celebrities that are in Atlanta. And, you know, at the time, Justin Bieber, I think lived here and Whitney Houston was alive. She lived here and, um, Usher, of course, hey, oh, you could have been anybody. Right. And, uh, Michael Vick, whoever. So the bodyguards get out of this black SUV and he's like, oh, I wonder who that is. And then Randy Jackson gets out and he about his heart about sinks. And he's like, unbelievable. And then he was still in the back of mind thinking, I hope he pays for dinner because I ain't going to be afforded. You know, this, this is one of those places where it's, you know, you could easily spend a thousand bucks on dinner. So uh, Randy Jackson, like, hey, Christian, hey, I'm Randy Jackson, nice, nice to meet you. And uh, they go in, they have dinner. And so I'm going somewhere with this story, Marty. So anyway, Randy Jackson says to my buddy, he says, hey, uh, you're great. Let's let's work together. Um, and so basically sent my friend an offer. And my friend had to move out West like the next week to, to get started. And so my friend calls me and says, Hey Paul, you'll never believe this, but you know, I just met with Randy Jackson. I'm going to work with him the next year, but I got to move out West. I was like, Oh, congratulations. And he said, listen, I need you to move into my house. 
and pay my mortgage. And he's like all frazzled. He's, he's like, not even the sentence aren't even making sense. He's like, so just come and, and then you can get a bunch of roommates and then you can make money because the mortgage is 928 bucks. But he's like, it's five bedrooms. So, you know, you have, you take the master suite with the awesome bathroom and all this stuff. But, um, the other four bedrooms, you know, you could, you know, fill it up with your buddies and charge them two fifty a room or three fifty a room. And then you'll make a profit. And then there's also the extra room downstairs. If you really wanted to, you know, pack it out, someone could have that room. And he's like, what do you think? And I said, uh, let me think about, it. I'll let you know tomorrow. And so I, I didn't really think about it. I was like, you know, okay. So I call him back the next day and I was like, Hey, I'm in. He's like, all right, great. He says, come over, get the key. And I came, I come over, um, that day I'm sitting there and, you know, talking to him and his wife and they give me the keys and they're basically like, you know, we're, we're, we're leaving. Like we're packing up. We're, we're driving out West like an afternoon. Um, here's the key to the house. You know, you have my number. Let me know if you need anything. So I was like, all right, cool. So now I'm sitting here, you know, I'm sleeping. He had a nice King bedroom, like, uh, you know, King size bed, big old bedroom with one of these huge old bathrooms and really, really nice master, uh, area. So I'm living the dream and I'm living this big old house by myself now. And he calls me one day and I misunderstood him. I thought he was going to set the roommates up and he was going to be sending me money. So I thought he was taking care of all that. We just had miscommunication. And so anyway, he calls me, he's like, Hey Paul, by the way, um, you know, the first of the month is coming up, uh, our banks, Wells Fargo. Uh, he's like, you know, we just make sure you put that 928 bucks. Here's the account number. You just walk in and and hand them a cash or check and they'll, they'll put it in our account for us. And uh, I was like a deer in headlights. Cause I was thinking that the way he explained it to me was he was going to get guys to fill up the other rooms and there was going to be, they were going to be paying more than 928 bucks. If you add it all up and I was going to be getting, you know, three, 400 bucks plus free rent. And we just had a major misunderstanding. So he's like, no, 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 no. He said, you got to put 928 bucks in our checking account every month. And then you got to go out and get fill up the rooms and charge them whatever you want. You could charge them 400 a room if you want and make even more profit. So anyway, I realized that I had misunderstood him and not, and not to say it was all my fault. I think he didn't explain it clearly to me, but I should have, you know, reinforced that I didn't understand what he was saying. But anyway, nevertheless, I got to come up with 928 bucks and I'm at the time broke, busted and disgusted. I mean, it, it might as well have been 928,000 bucks. I would just, that was a ton of money in my world at the time um, when my income was um, minimal. So I go on a, a walk I'm in a neighborhood and I'm literally praying. I'm walking and praying and saying, God help me. I, I don't have 928 bucks and I got to, you know, get my friend 928 bucks here in about a week. Where am I going to get 928 bucks? And I start having these thoughts. Well, I could fly out to Vegas and, you know, maybe, maybe hit, maybe hit on a game and, and get the money that way. And I'm, I'm just thinking like, how do you get 928 bucks? Right. The old JG Wentworth commercial. I need cash now. Call JG Wentworth 877 cash now. All right. So I'm thinking, what do I do? Do I call JG? Do I go to Vegas? And, uh, as I'm on this walk and I'm literally, I'm praying, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Help me. And I have this moment, I'm in a cul-de-sac and I just kind of stopped because it was, it was beautiful. You could kind of see a little hills in the background and it was just a beautiful little view. And I'm looking to my left and I see this overgrown yard and there's a real estate agent sign in the yard. And I said, this seems weird. If you're a, re a good real estate agent, why don't you want 
the house you're selling to look presentable? Like that seems like common sense. I'm not a real estate mogul, but that would probably help you sell the house for more money. So I just kind of spontaneously got my phone out, called the number on the real estate agent sign and said, Hey, I'm uh, standing here outside the address. I gave him the address and I said, uh, the yard's completely overgrown. Well, she thought I was a landscaper. And so she said, Oh yeah, we know our, our lawn guys in the hospital and we're scrambling to try to get that cut as soon as possible. What's your price? And I really felt like I was in a cartoon and this light bulb went off in my head and I was like, I could make money cutting grass. You know, like if I did enough yards, I could get 928 bucks. If I did it from like the time the sun came out in the morning till the time it set for the next week, maybe I could scrape together the money. So I had zero business understanding. I didn't know anything. So I just blurted out $60 because I used to cut my, my neighbor in high school's yard for 20 bucks, old Frank. So I just thought, well, you know, my, my math is going in my head, you know, 60 bucks. <laughs> so not the right price for that yard, but that's what I told her. And she said, deal. And, you know, she basically told me, um, when you're done, you know, text me a picture and an invoice and we'll, we'll get you squared up right away. And so that's how I started my business. I wanted to share that context to let you know why I'm so passionate about others in business, helping others in business, because I didn't grow up with a business education. I didn't grow up with, you know, mentors, small business owners teaching me how to run businesses. And I didn't have this origin story of intentionality of developing a robust business plan that, you know, I dotted my I's and crossed my T's and I knew what I was doing. I literally started my business out of absolute financial desperation where I needed to make money. And that's how I got my start. And so as I'm going to be sharing as this story progresses over today's episode and over tomorrow's show, I didn't um, make the right decisions my first few years in business because I was um, desperate and none of us make good decisions when we're desperate. You know, majority of the time, if we're in, in a desperate state, we're probably, you know, not going to calculate things the way we should. And so I made so many mistakes as I'm going to share here along the way and, and didn't understand that business was, is really about serving our customers well and, and just making sure our customer gets the goods or services that they want and delivered, you know, with excellence and a good attitude and prompt and all that stuff. So I didn't know any of this stuff. I just needed to make the 928 bucks. So we're going to hear a quick word from today's show sponsors and coming up, I'm going to share more of the story. Hey, you, yeah, you. You're out there in the field, mowing lawns, making money, working hard. But for every dollar you make, you're worried. Worried that you spend too much, worried that you won't make payroll, or worried you'll generate a big financial mistake. Simply put, you don't know your numbers. You're not alone. The Landscaping Bookkeeper has helped dozens of eager lawn care owners organize their numbers, learn the language of business, and build a solid financial foundation. Start your journey from simply earning money to creating a long-lasting source of income today by scheduling a free 15-minute phone call at thelandscapingbookkeeper.com. 
Don't forget to grab your ticket to attend Equip Expo in Louisville, Kentucky this October 18th through 21st. Use my name, Paul, and you'll save 50% off. The Equip Exposition is the event of the year for those who work in our line of work. There is no better trade show to test before you invest in new products, innovations, and even ideas for your business. You can talk to the teams behind the most useful machines, products, and technology that we use daily, and then test drive them for yourself in the nearly 30-acre outdoor demo yard. With 25-plus education sessions, two nights of free concerts, and networking with thousands of pro landscapers, this show is the future of your business. Register at EquipExposition.com. Ever wish you could monitor your vehicles, drivers, and equipment in live time to improve routes, enhance job site planning, and save your business money? Well, with GPS TrackIt, your wish is our command. When you integrate GPS TrackIt with your company vehicles, you get a 24-7 view of your vehicles, so you operate at crazy levels of efficiency. It's money-saving, peace of mind lawn and landscaping companies deserve. Ever wish every day was Donut Friday? Us too, but we can't help with that. Talk with one of our fleet advisors. No pressure, no hassle. Call 1-844-996-2518 or visit gpstrackit.com slash Paul to learn more. GPS Track It. You can count on Jobber to keep your business organized. Manage your business and back and forth with customers from one place. Estimate, quote, schedule, invoice, get paid, no software experience required. Friends, you can save 20% off your first six months at getjobber.com forward slash Paul or click on the link in today's show notes to try out the business management software that I've been using for years, Jobber. Alrighty, so picking back up in year one of my entrepreneurial journey, things quickly went from bad to worse. And if you could imagine digging a hole and the hole's pretty big, I now, in the next several months, dug the hole that was already pretty big into this massive, massive hole, all in the effort of trying to make money. I uh, got myself deeper, deeper in this hole. And here's how this all happened. And this is what really fuels me 12 years later to create this podcast, because I remember what it was like to fail. I remember what it was like to be uninformed about what it really takes to operate a profitable business. And that gives me motivation to continue to create this show to help people avoid this mistake that I made. And so just to put everything in the context, all the way back when I was in high school and I would mow Frank's yard next door for $20, Frank literally lived right next door to my parents. So there's about six feet between his driveway and my parents' driveway, just a couple yards. And just a you know a couple passes with the 21-inch mower to mow, that's how next to each other these driveways were. And Frank would let me, I'd mow his yard once a week, spring and summer, fall, and he would let me use his lawnmower and his gas. So all it was was my time. And I could have got it done fast, but back then we had what was called Walkman CD players. You remember those, Marty? Yeah, and so exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, it skips. So yes, that's that's exactly what it did. This this thing, I bought it at Circuit City, which is out of business. This Walkman, I'd put it in my right pocket. And if my steps 
you know, move to, you know, shake my leg or thigh a little bit, there's a little vibration. The, the CD would, would, um, skip. And so I, I had to listen to the music, of course, while I was mowing and I'd put a CD in the Walkman CD player. But anyway, if I didn't have all that, I could have mowed it faster, but just 95% of you have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I wanted my Walkman to play the music. So I, you know, I meticulously mowed the lawn just so my CD player didn't slip. But anyway, I'd come out of there, you know, definitely less than one hour to mow Frank's yard. It wasn't that big of a yard, $20. It'd give me $20 cash. And so that was kind of my framework in going into my first landscape or lawn care mowing job is I was thinking, well, I got 20 bucks for Frank. And I kind of was thinking this will probably take me three, three times longer than Frank's yard took me just eyeballing it, not having any clue that I was going to need to start investing in getting a lawnmower to mow this grass and a weed eater and a blower and all the overhead that I wasn't calculating. I was just calculating my time, which I would even miscalculated that because it took me quite a while on that first yard. It was very, very tall and overgrown. So needless to say, my first yard in business, and I'm not going to go through all the details, but I lost quite a bit of money on that property because I, I ended up having to pay a friend of mine $30 to help me mow it. And I had several trips back and forth to my other friend's house to borrow his equipment. And it was, it was, a, it was a mess. So eventually I got the $60 check, but it cost me several hours, literally, um, being on the property and going back and forth to my buddy David's house to get the equipment. Plus I had to pay this other guy 30 bucks to come out and help me and to make matters worse on that first job. I forgot. I also had my buddy Tyler out there as well. So two different guys on two different occasions and, um, all kind of hours. I, I lost a ton of money on that first job. Well, the lady asked me then afterwards, she's like, can you, um, do other properties until this gentleman that's been doing all these properties gets out of the hospital or in, well, recovers? I think at that point, maybe he was, he was recovering, but he just, he wasn't gonna be back for a couple more weeks, she said. So I said, sure. So now she started sending me to, to Winder, Georgia, and then, you know, near downtown Atlanta, then out to Duluth. I'm, I'm going all over Atlanta. She was a real estate agent that serviced all of Metro Atlanta. And so I'm driving all over town, just rinsing and repeating, you know, pouring out all my time to go do these yards for 30 bucks or 40 bucks or 60 bucks using my friend's equipment. So I wasn't making any money is my point. And so because of that, my first year, it was a very, very limited time side hustle. Financially, it wasn't creating enough money for me. So I was also working other jobs. I was a youth pastor on the weekends at two different churches. And on Wednesdays, I was working at Carabas pretty much full time to um, make ends meet. And I also was um, selling vitamins. And, and so <laughs> kind of like a, it was called Melaleuca and, uh, they, they sell like vitamins, laundry detergent, all this stuff. So I'm, I'm doing everything I can to make money. And then if I had any spare time on the weekends, I'd do garage sales. I'd buy things on Craigslist and flip them. I'm talking, I'm doing everything and everything and anything to make a dollar. And it didn't really click to me in 2011, my first year that this was a viable business because I wasn't making any money in lawn care. I just thought it was a side hustle type deal. However, and this is what got me, Mr. Producer. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the, the actual laying down stripes and, and edging along the driveway and uh, along the garden bed and just making a property look clean and pristine 
there was a satisfaction, not financially, because I, folks, I was, <laughs> I was, there was no uh, uh, hefty profit margins to ride home about year one. But I actually like, you know, getting done with a job. Of course, you're sweating. And if you work in Atlanta, it's, you're sweating a lot. And I just like the satisfaction of, of making my customer happy and, and, and doing a, a job well done. So I said I was going to share three takeaways from my 12 years in business. So obviously, we're going to continue with part two, three, four, and beyond in, in, in the coming uh, days and weeks. I'm going to kind of sprinkle these episodes in of my story. We, we didn't even get halfway through year one, and there's 12 years of crazy stories and, and pivots and twists and turns that I wanted to um, share with you guys and, and, you know, elaborate on what Brian encouraged me to do. But here's, here's a few of the takeaways from just that first year. And number one is we need to know our pricing. So I was so far off. It's embarrassing to even share how, how far off I was in my pricing because I had that mentality that I had when I mowed Frank's yard that, Hey, if I get 20 bucks for less than an hour, I'll take that. Cause that best burger wasn't paying me that. And I had no understanding that I needed to calculate in all my overhead because I didn't even know what my overhead was from my the gasoline to the gasoline for the 50 to one mix ratio and the equipment that I would eventually have to buy. And then the repairs for the equipment that I would eventually have to buy and the labor for other, you know, other laborers involved as well as labor for paying myself. And then, you know, eventually getting commercial insurance and a storage unit to store all of the equipment and you know, vehicle and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. I didn't understand how much that actually costs to pay for all of that, to do things legitimately, and then how to pay myself and then, you know, add in profit and then give that price to the customer. I didn't have any of that mathematical equation going on. So my prices were too low. So one thing I want to share is that if we're going to be successful in business, we have to know our pricing. We need to know what it costs to run our business what it costs to pay ourselves, what it costs to factor in profit. What it, and this leads me into point number two, what it costs to pay our taxes. And then, you know, calculating a profitable price to charge the customer. So that leads me into number two. I was clueless about taxes um, that first year. Nobody explained this to me. That's why I'm so passionate on my podcast. And at least once a quarter, I mentioned that we need to make sure we're paying our quarterly taxes on time and having a separate savings account to transfer money into so that we have the money saved. So I didn't know all this. So when I worked at Best Burger or the dining hall in college or just these, these jobs I had um, in um, high school and, in, and throughout college, my employer set aside my, my federal taxes and, and they set aside all, you know, my, all, all the tax stuff I didn't have to worry about. All I really had to worry about is filling out that tax, tax document they gave me, you know, at the beginning of when I got hired somewhere that, you know, they, I'd always remember, oh yeah, I had to fill out this form and then I had to remember my social security number and my address and I'd fill it out and I'd turn it in and then they would set aside the money and pay the taxes for me. Well, a little bit of a wake up call <laughs> when you own a business, now you have to be proactive and intentional to understand how much money you have to set aside for all the variable taxes, which change state by state, country by country. But no matter what state or country you're in, you're going to pay taxes and, 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 and the, the structure is different. That's why, who we, I would recommend getting ta a reputable tax professional day one. I mean, I did not do that. I was, you know, being, 
what was that stuff called, Marty? Well, you don't know what I use, but I think it was called Quicken and, and QuickBooks. I, I had all tax stuff. I, I had all these uh, things I was using, the free version and thinking I was figuring it all out my own, which I did a little bit, but I should have hired a professional day one to just have a heart of a teacher to, to explain this to me and just say, okay, Paul, let's open you up a separate checking account. And we're going to transfer every time you have money come in, we're going to transfer this amount or percentage into that tax savings account. And then you're going to pay taxes each quarter and, and explain all this stuff to me. I, I mean, eventually I figured it out, but it wasn't through intentionality and a professional explaining it to me. It was, you know, getting notifications from the, the, the authority saying, Hey, you owe us this money. It's like, Oh my gosh. I, I remember my first time, uh, this would have been, I think it was my year two. I got a $5,000 tax bill when my, uh, accountant structured everything. I literally thought guys that I was going to get a refund. So I go marching in there all excited. Cause all my friends were talking about, we're getting refunds, Paul. Like, you know, I got 3000 bucks. I got 7,000 bucks. One of my buddies had 11,000 bucks. I'm thinking, I can't wait to find out how much I'm getting. And I go and, uh, I use this accounting people one year, but anyway, I go in and I'm, you know, Hey, what's my refund? And the lady kind of looked at me. She's like, Oh, let me see here. And, and, uh, blah, 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 blah. And you know, she's like, uh, it's 5,000. You, you owe 5,000. And I said, I owe 5,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You owe 5,000 and just send a check to this address, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm sitting there, my heart's sinking. I thought I was going to be getting money and I'm here. I am fine. It's funny now guys, but it was not funny then how unorganized I was. And I'm not blaming. I mean, obviously it, it was my, um, lack of understanding, but nobody explained this to me. The accounting company I hired that first year, they didn't explain it to me. The YouTube podcast information hadn't, hadn't gone out out there, but even that no one's talking about taxes on there. I mean, maybe they are, I just never found that stuff. And so this is what drives me on this program to talk about how important it is to hire professionals that will teach us this stuff and will, will guide us to ultimately, they're not going to save the money for us. We're going to have to be diligent and disciplined and intentional and in, in the rhythm of moving money from our main account in the business to a tax savings account. But those mistakes that I made early on have driven me so hard to help as many people as I can get the tax thing in order as quickly as possible. Um, so anyway, that is a short story long on why I'm so passionate about helping others is because year one, two, the early phases of my business, I was learning all this on the fly and by my mistakes and not, not having somebody explain it to me. And so my third tip and takeaway here would be to know your worth. Um, though you're, you know, know your numbers and charge a profitable price, know the tax structure and um, responsibilities and obligations and set the money aside for those. And then my third thing would be to know my worth, know your worth. And I did not understand my worth. And so that affected so many variables of my business from my pricing to the way I carried myself to the way I did marketing to, you know, fill in the blank. The, the better we can understand our worth, the better we can serve our customers with more excellence and, and, and do a professional job and do an excellent job. And it will be a win, win, win situation. And so I was unsure about myself in those early days because I didn't have the knowledge to know what I was doing. I didn't have the best equipment. I didn't have the best vehicles. I just, 
all of that stuff shattered my confidence. And if I could go back and restart over again, I, w- I just wish I would have better understood that the customer, they need their grass cut. They need their flower beds freshened up with, with mulch or pine straw or, and or plants and flowers and trees and all that stuff. And that I'm, I'm adding a valuable service to their, to their life. I'm saving them time. I'm making their property look better. I'm valuable. I'm, I'm worth something. And if I would have figured that out faster, I would have carried myself with more confidence and, you know, charge better pricing and things of that nature. So I got to get going here, my friend. I, uh, my oven's going off my, uh, <laughs> I got the, at Costco, they have, uh, I don't know what it's called, Mar. I think enchilada, uh, whatever I got, but anyway, I put it in the oven for an hour and, uh, the oven's going off. So I, I got to go get that. So I don't, uh, burn the kitchen down and, uh, it's the perfect, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to overdo it on those things. So anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening to part one, guys, as you can imagine, the first few years have, were difficult, but they, that's, those are the years I learned so much. And, and the reason I share these vulnerable moments is because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made. I want you to hit the ground running, uh, in a profitable way in your business and start investing in, and reaping the rewards of compound interest and become very successful and get a a fabulous, excellent reputation with your customers and, and make a bunch of money and have awesome margin in your finances schedule and beyond. So I will continue to share the story. We got 12 more years. We didn't even get halfway through year one, really, but uh, the other 11 and a half years, we will continue as the, as the episodes unfold over the next weeks and and months and I'll uh, continue to share the story. So thanks for listening guys. I really appreciate it. You need to increase your prices to earn more, but you better do it correctly or your customers will become unhappy. You want to discover the proven method to easily increase your prices? I've assembled the Price Increase Letter Template. It's a plug and play document that will allow you to inform your customers in the correct way so that they understand why and will gladly accept your price increase. You can pick up the Price Increase Letter Template today at the Resource Center at thegreenindustrypodcast.com. Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening.